You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. So if you look, if you have your Bibles, I want to tell a quick story uh, in light of the anniversary Sunday. So if you have your Bibles, it's 1 Samuel uh, chapter 13 and 14. And what I want to do is I want to think um, about the families that came to begin this beautiful uh, church family that we have, that, that God's Spirit used uh, them to create this community that has a witness, obviously, so much so that other families have heard about the witness of this church. And I want you to know they didn't hear, they don't hear about the, the preaching, they don't hear about the music, they don't hear about the facility, they hear about the witness of the congregation. Are you with me? It's the witness that they hear. And it's the witness that convicts. It's not the event that we throw. And so I have to believe that uh, 58 years ago, when they planted this church, they didn't plant this church so we could throw good events. They planted this church so we could be a faithful presence in our city and a faithful presence in the world. And that always takes risk. Everybody say risk. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. So look, when we get into this text, we find out that the Israelites had their first earthly king, and his name is Saul. And his son Jonathan is a, is a godly man. Uh, he's a strong warrior and a strong leader. And at the point in the text where we pick up, the Israelites are about to be attacked by the Philistines. Um, and this is one of their enemies. And they're about to be, uh, at least, they're about to be obliterated. I mean, Philistines are a powerful nation. They're skilled at war. And at some point in time, Jonathan leads this kind of preemptive strike against Philistines. Um, and it gave the Philistines the... Um, the passion to fight back for for a sense of revenge. And they're coming back stronger and harder than they were in the beginning. And if you look at the text, it says that the Philistines heavily outnumbered the Israelites. Everybody say outnumbered. They outnumbered the Israelite army in every way, right? And it says actually in the text that the amount of troops were as numerous as the sands on the seashore. That's the way the historian records this story. And it wasn't looking very good for the Israelites. And so if you look at God's people here, 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 6-7, the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble because the troops were in a difficult situation. So they hid in caves, in thickets, among rocks, and in holes and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul, however, was still at Gilgal, and his troops were frozen with fear. God's people, with all the history that they knew, with all they had seen God do, with all they knew, found themselves outnumbered by the enemy army and found themselves so fearful of the potential outcome that they were frozen. That's what the text says. They were frozen in fear. They were moving to self-preservation, self-protection mode, hiding in caves and even in cisterns. You know, like a big old jar. And they're frozen in fear. So Samuel, this great prophet of God, gave Saul something to do. And he told Saul with very specific instructions that if he'd just make this offering to the Lord, hear me out, if he'd just make this offering to the Lord and trust that the Lord will do what the Lord has always said he will do, that all will be well. Everybody say, all will be well. 
That's what he said. That's what Samuel said. And Samuel drew on the faithfulness of God. So Saul waited and Saul waited and Saul waited for the time for God to tell him to let the offering be made to do what God told him to do. And he waited and he waited and he waited. But things are starting to happen. You can probably hear the armies coming. You can probably hear things go on. You can feel the fear in your nervous system and in your brain. And he waited and waited. And finally Saul decided that he would say the time was right. And so Saul did what God told him to do in a way that God didn't tell him to do it at a time God didn't tell him to do it. Saul did what we often do, and he took matters into his own hands. Now, I can't blame him. Like, I ain't there, I ain't Saul, right? Not about to get attacked by an army whose numbers are as numerous as the sands. So it's easy for us to read this Bible and be real judgmental of Saul, isn't it? But when you put it in his context, it's got to be a scary thing. So he gives in, and he took the matters into his own hands. And there are consequences for not following God. There are consequences for not doing as God has commanded. And so the Israelites are frozen. And they are trying to figure out how to handle it on their own. And as they are frozen in fear, as paralysis led to analysis, everybody say paralysis, will lead me to analysis, and analysis will lead me back to paralysis. And that's what they did, and they were frozen. And you know what the Bible says happened? The Philistines came and stole all their blacksmiths. Jesse, they took you. They took all their, their, their iron workers and their wood workers. And you know why they took them? It was brilliant strategy. Because how are the Israelites going to sharpen their, their, war, their tools of war? They have no blacksmiths. They have no iron workers. And so the Israelites decide that it would be a good idea to try and Ask the Philistines to let them sharpen their tools of war. <laughs> That's how the, text, how the text reads. So now they're just making foolish decisions. Now they have incredible generals, incredible commanders, incredible leaders, but now they're just overthinking. Everybody say overthink. Overthinking. They're just like we are sometimes. You know, God calls us to something. God gives us a hint that we need to do something. And what do we say? We say, oh, we need to pray about it. The Bible's already spoken to it, but, oh, we need to pray about it. Oh, let's make sure we pray about it. I rarely hear people say, hey, let's look in the Scriptures and see what the Scriptures already say about it, which will tell us whether or not we ought to pray about it. Because if God has spoken, God wants us to do it. Does that make sense to y'all? Sometimes, I mean, we need to pray. I'm pro-prayer. But in the words of St. Augustine, the 4th century African theologian, we need to pray as if it all depends on God and work as if it all depends on us. You hear what I'm saying? As a fourth century church father who said, I will say it again. You pray as if it all depends on God, but you work as if it all depends on you. It's the way the church leader said, you need to pray, but you also, as you pray, need to put your hands and feet to your prayer. Because the scripture is spoken, then we must move forward. And do. So what ends up happening is Jonathan 
is one of those guys that isn't just going to sit around and let it all work itself out. If I had a nickel for every time I've heard a Christian say, oh, it'll work out. As if all we got to do is pray about it and never put our hands and feet to it. Or, for some of us, as if all we're supposed to do is put our hands and feet to it, but never pray about it. You pray as you go. If you don't pray as you go, you won't know. Say, if I don't pray as I go, come on. I ain't going to know. Kathy, could you handle that bad English that I just gave? Was that okay? Kathy's an English teacher. I just gave her a little bit of a higher blood. You, you all right with that? You could? Was that, that was hard for you. I know. I know. I'm sorry. That's my Georgia, that's my Georgia English. If I, don't, if I don't pray as I go, I'm never going to know. I'm just going to keep walking on my own. But if I just pray and don't go, then I also am not going to know. Jonathan takes a look at what's going on, and Jonathan knows what God has said. Jonathan knows what God has promised. Jonathan knows the story of God's people. So this is what Jonathan does. Verse, chapter 14, verse 1. The same day Saul's son Jonathan says to the attendant who carries his weapons, come on. That's what he says. He says, come on. Let's cross over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. And he did not tell his father. Jonathan is a man of the hour. He is a man of urgency. He is a man who understands that something has to be done and something has to be done now that we can't go with paralysis that has been driven by analysis and then keep trying to analyze and find ourselves stuck and frozen in time that we need to pray as we go but we need to go and so Jonathan says I know what God has done I know what God has said let's go now I want you to notice something about the story Jonathan doesn't go alone you notice that he goes with somebody Jonathan's not going to climb the hill on his own. He's not going to go out it alone. He's going to go with somebody. He's not trying to be a hero. Too many times we try to be heroes and we try to go out it alone, especially if we've been taught poor leadership, as if we can do all this on our own. We never do anything alone. We're not even designed to do anything alone. We're supposed to do everything in community. But yet, how many times have I heard church families say, no, this is a decision for my family. This is a decision for my family. Well, no, if you're a child of God and you're brought into the God's family, it may be a decision that might require other people in your church family who know you well and who love you well, who've earned that with you so that together you can discern where God may be leading. In 1964, when these families got together and decided to start this church, nobody went at it alone. They didn't even leave the church they were without the church's blessing. They even went so far as to get the planting church's blessing. There was no ill will and strife. It was just a deep desire to one day fill this yard with people who would come to know Jesus, not just in an event, but in a lifetime. Who would come to be known not just for the sign on a marquee in their yard, but for the sign that was given by their witness Monday through Saturday. And Jonathan is willing to do what no one else is willing to do. He's willing to take the risk. Everybody say risk. Look at what it says. Jonathan said to the attendant, this is verse 6 of chapter 14. Jonathan said to the attendant who carried his weapon, come on, let's cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised men. Obviously, he's, you know, getting into name-calling business. And this is what he says that I find is interesting. Perhaps the Lord will help us. Everybody say perhaps. Jonathan is like, I don't know. I don't know if the Lord's going to help us. I mean, he might. 
He might not. That's risk. But what's he basing his risk off of? What he knows of God to be true. But in this moment, he doesn't know if God's going to do what God's always done, but he knows that God simply is. Because look at what he says in the text. He says, right there, he says, perhaps the Lord will help us. Nothing can keep the Lord from saving. If the Lord is going to save us, then we are going to be good. If the Lord doesn't save us, then we get to go be with the Lord. But either way, the Lord is with us. Are you with me on that? And that's what I love about the text, because it's honest. Jonathan's not standing up and and claiming it. You know what I'm saying? Jonathan didn't say, I claim this victory in the name of Jesus. Jonathan was like, I don't know. But I know we can't stand here. I know we can't keep doing what we've been doing and expect different results. Because if I always do what I've always done, I'm going to always get what I've always been getting. You like that? Like that, Kathy? And I'm going to always be who I've always been. If you always do what you've always done, you're going to always be who you've always been. And the fact is, we like doing what we know because it's what makes us comfortable. So being in a room with you that challenges me is not something I want. Being in a church that challenges me is not something I always want. But a church that doesn't issue that kind of challenge and that kind of love and calls you to that kind of risk isn't going to be the kind of church that we celebrate 58 years from now. You with me? You have the Lord. Maybe the Lord will fill in the blank. Maybe the Lord will not. But the Lord will be with you. He is able. And we got to act like it. Y'all, sometimes I struggle with prayer. Because I have prayed for people to be healed and it didn't work out. Sometimes I beg God to do something and God... For whatever reason, the reign of sin and death just seemed to to win that battle. But I had a mentor one time tell me that I have no control over those things. And so my only job is to push. P-U-S-H. Pray until something happens. And that's what I've decided to do a long time ago. I'm going to pray until something happens. If the something's not what I want, I'm still going to pray until something happens. Perhaps the Lord will. Perhaps the Lord won't. But the Lord will be with us no matter the outcome. And so in the moment, we can either sit here and overthink all that. Are you with me? We can either start thinking through the times we prayed and it didn't get answered. We start thinking through times we prayed and it did get answered. We can think about all the things we did and God didn't come through. We can think about all the things we did and God didn't come through. Either way, we can sit here and we can stand here in analysis of the outcomes of life and then find ourselves in paralysis in the circumstances of life. Or we can pray until something happens. We can pray as if it all depends on God and work as if it all depends on us. And we can be like Jonathan and we can say, if we stand here, it's going to end poorly. But if we just go, something's going to happen. And if the Lord's going to save us, so be it. Jonathan took the risk. And it wasn't just a mindless risk. It was a faith-shaped risk. Everybody say faith-shaped risk. And a faith-shaped risk allows, it requires courage. And it requires a commitment to community. Because Jonathan did not do it alone. My question to you, beloved, 
is are we going to live our lives individually as individual families tethered to the community that is called the Williamsburg Christian Church so that we can live our lives in such a way that one day other people will hear of the witness of God through this church and then decide they want to be a part of what God is doing. Are we willing to be that kind of people that are going to be tethered to a commitment to risk, tethered to a commitment to courage, and tethered to a commitment to community? Or are we just going to try to go at it alone? Everything about American life says that it's my family's business. Show me that in the Bible. Show me that in the Bible. It's going to say you need to be about your father's business within a community of people doing the work of God as the people of God covered in the love and the grace of God. And sometimes it's going to get hard and we're going to have to pray until something happens. But we don't stop praying until something happens. And then while we pray, we put our hands and feet to our prayer. Trusting that if the Lord is going to liberate and save, then indeed all will be well. In verse 7, look at his armor bearer's response. I appreciate his armor bearer because when Jonathan says, come on, let's go do this. Maybe the Lord will save us. But if the Lord's going to, it's going to happen. Notice that the armor bearer didn't start trying to calculate outcomes either. What did the armor bearer say, verse 7? I'm right here with you, whatever you decide. Now, don't we need that? Don't we need a people who will look at us and say, I am right here with you, whatever you decide. Now, to kind of bring this to a close, I want to remind us of something that would be easy to be lost. Jonathan isn't going to go at it alone. He's willing to take risks. He finds a faith-filled courage. He's willing to cast lots at his life and just trust that the Lord will if the Lord wants. And if the Lord wants, then he's going to be with the Lord. And he says, let's do this. And the armor bearer says, whatever you decide, I'm with you, bro. That's in the text, bro. It's in there. It's in the Hebrew. And so verse 8, look at what it says. Jonathan says, all right. We'll cross over to the men and then let them see. If they say, wait until we reach you, then we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come on up, then we'll go up because the Lord has handed them over to us and that'll be our sign. What are they doing? They're developing a strategy. Everybody say strategy. Because faith-shaped risks that require faith-shaped courage, that require faith-filled community, requires a faith-filled strategy. I need you to know in this story, Jonathan wasn't going to fly by the seat of his pants, as my grandma used to say. Still not entirely sure what that means. But I always knew she, when she would say it to me, it was always because I was going to charge the hill without thinking about it. They developed a strategy. They developed a plan. But they didn't allow their plan to turn into a form of paralysis. They were moving ahead. They had already decided they were going to move. The question wasn't, are we going to move? The question was, how are we going to move? You with me? It wasn't if, it was how. You with me? It wasn't will we, it was how will we. Beloved, I don't know what you're facing. I know what the Barretts are facing. 
We know what the Barretts are facing. We prayed about that. We, we don't know in our own lives necessarily. Uh, maybe some of us have experiences that are that scary and hard, but we can envision it. We can imagine it. We know, we know that they're facing something. I don't know what you're facing, but I know that you're going to face something. And when we face something, are we going to be the kind of people that allow ourselves to analyze it to the point to where we're paralyzed by it or where we try to handle it on our own, on our own, without the work and the presence of the people of God? Or are we going to try and do it as if it all depends on us and pray about it if we think about it? Are we going to just pray about it and never do anything about it? Or are we going to take the faith-shaped risk, pray as we go, not do it alone, be committed to the community we're in as we do it, and make sure that we actually have a plan in what we're going to do. And then, what do you do? You just, you just do it. And you trust God with the consequences. I learned a long time ago that I could try to manage God and I could try to manage the theology of it all. Or I could just trust God the best I could, take a step forward and then trust God with the consequences and the outcome. 58 years ago, a bunch of people got together, a small group, and they leveraged their homes. They leveraged their well-being for the equivalency of $402,000 so they could grow a church. So they could create a church. Not because they were going to grow it in their own skills and abilities and techniques and talents, but that they trusted the Holy Spirit was up to something. And their only responsibility was to faithfully join the Holy Spirit in that work. Beloved, we are not a church that gathers one day a week, even though we do. We are a church that has to live out a witness six days a week, individually and together, because that's what it means to be the people of God. And we are going to have to take over this next season, as a church, faith-shaped risks. We're going to have to have faith-filled courage. And we're going to have to stay close in faith-formed community. And we're going to have to have a plan Because God has plans for us. We need to trust God with those plans. But likewise, if God has plans for us as a church, guess what that means for you? God has plans for you. Because you have a role in those plans. Whether it's your ministry, like Echo, whether it's a ministry that genuinely believes that the foster care system and approach can be reformed and reframed if the people of God would take it seriously enough. And where you go like this family does, like Kelly Reynolds, and you go to churches and you try to convince them that they need to take a faith-shaped risk, that they need to have faith-filled courage, that they need to stay close to faith-formed community, that they need to plan and go and then you have this couple who give their life away to help churches do that and i'm grateful for y'all's witness and we're grateful to be able to join y'all in that journey because we've had families go through that as you know and we're going to keep going through that as the people of god and i've told them specifically because they're in vocational ministry that 
Though we may not be able to do a lot for Echo, we got to be able to do a lot for them. Because if they aren't well and healthy, then they can't be who God called them to be. And see, if you aren't well and healthy, God can, you can't be who God's called you to be. If you are too busy avoiding risks, if you are too busy being wrecked by fear of where things are going, this country included, if you're trying to find a church or trying to find friendships in Christ that make you feel comfortable and that appeal to your, to your sensibilities, then you will not be who God wants you to be. Being who God wants us to be will always require faith-shaped risks, faith-filled courage, faith-formed community. We can't do it alone. And yes, a plan. And beloved, we stand on the shoulders of 58 years of that. Let us live our lives in such a way there can be 58 more. Not just so we can keep a church alive, but that if it is what God wills and God wants to bring other people into this community, that God will do that. What I want you to do right now is look around. I want you to do a scan. Look around. Everybody just look around the room. Look around the outdoors. Look at what you see. Look at the people that are here. Look at the diversity that you see. Look at the generational diversity that you see. Look all the way around. If you're going to scan, you've got to scan the whole thing. God has this and more. And every single one of you have a role to play. Every single one of you at some point may need to be our Jonathan. Or our armor bearer. And we stand on the shoulders of that. And I praise God. For 58 years of God's faithfulness. I praise God for the people who have stepped up and stepped in and stepped out. Even when it didn't make sense. And that we're willing to trust God with the consequences. Beloved, that is our legacy just in this church alone. Let it be our witness. Come on, can I get an amen? Because every week we come to this table. We come to the bread and to the wine. We come. To receive the body and the blood of the Christ. We come. Remembering the God who knows us best. And what? Loves us most. The God who's called us into life together. As a people together. The God who has brought all of us into one another's lives. The God who was willing to risk it all. So that we would have all of God. The least we can do sometimes is risk something. And do so trusting that no matter where this lands, no matter where this goes, no matter what happens, that the Lord will be with us and that we will be with the Lord. So I'm going to ask Jason, could you come on up? Danny. Danny Poe, could you come up? Tanya, could you come up? Danny. Beloved, we invite you to come to the Lord's table. We invite you because the Lord has invited us to come to the Lord's table. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, you are welcome.
at the table of the Lord. You just have to take the risk to come. And just to come with hands open and receive what it is God wants to give. And just know that what God calls you to, God will equip you to live through. And God has brought you here to not do it alone. We are a church. We are a family. We have to learn what that means. And sometimes it is in the, it is in the fires of suffering that faith and love is formed. Sometimes it is in the fires of desperation that faith and love is formed. Sometimes it is in the fires of great risk and a sense of urgency that faith and love is formed. And for us as a church, in many different ways, all three of those things apply. You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast.